Hey, you guys, it's Miss Beth. Welcome back to the Play on Words podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about a really lighthearted topic, and that is, is your school gaslighting you? Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know that's not a lighthearted topic, but I'm going to try and keep it light and to the point because so many of you on Instagram have been saying, what do I do when my child comes home with a list of sight words and it says just to memorize this list? Um, mostly kindergarten parents are saying this, and I'm going to tell you what we can do, how we can have a respectful, appropriate conversation. Obviously, take it with a grain of salt. You don't have to take my advice at all, but I'm just going to do a quick summary of why it's harmful to teach kids to memorize sight words um, and not how to properly teach them how to store those words, what the big difference between um, learning to read using whole language or focusing on memorizing words versus learning to read using the science that we've had for decades and decades um, and the evidence of how that happens and then how to have a conversation about it. Um, I will say that often your child's teacher doesn't have a huge say in their curriculum. Unfortunately, I did work with four schools this summer where the teachers asked to be trained by big city readers and the school admin and principals said yes. And so I got to do professional development with entire school districts, not only in Chicago, all over the country, and even a few in Canada. So Never underestimate using your voice if you're a teacher, but also parents, we don't want to like go in and attack the teacher if they don't necessarily have um, a lot of say. Um, so I'm going to share some tips that I might use if I were you, but uh, let's dive in, shall we? Um, and also I want to say, I'm so sorry to hear that so many of you have had such bad experiences already in the school year. I'm here to help. Please keep sending me messages. I'm going to get back into recording shorter podcasts, answering just specific questions. So today is going to be, what do I do? What do I do if my child comes home with a list of sight words? So a quick background knowledge about the whole language approach versus using the science to actually teach kids how to read. The science of reading is not a curriculum. The science of reading refers to a body of research that examines how children learn to read and seeks evidence-based methods for teaching reading effectively. The This is heavily not against that sight words exist, just against telling kids to memorize wordless. If you're brand, brand new, <laughs> sight words are often uh, frequently occurring words like the, of, is, my, he. We see them often. Um, they're commonly used in speech and in text, and they often have irregular spellings or spellings that haven't been taught yet um, in kindergarten or first grade. So teachers will say or curriculum will tell teachers to say, oh, that word, we just have to memorize it. It doesn't follow the rules. I was one of those teachers, so I am right there with you. I drank the Kool-Aid. I thought, yeah, this makes sense. People that are going to say, oh, this this is just a pendulum swing. Don't listen to people talking about the science of reading. If your school says that, yeah, you're being gaslit. Whether or not it's intentional, it, they might not know, but then it's like almost worse because if they don't know and they're just taking a stance without doing any research, then that's also terrifying. So I'm going to share some strategies that I would use to talk with your school um, because just saying silent is not an option. Um, 
so anyway, these uh, pr- proponents of saying that memorizing sight words is a good idea are people that will say, well, it actually um, teaches kids. Well, we, we, it slows them down if we tell them to sound words out. This is much faster. We don't lose, um, you know, they don't lose fluency. It's it's really builds confidence. And there are a whole bunch of other ways that we can build fluency and confidence. And memorizing wordless is not. It teaches kids to rely um, uh, and create and rely uh, on bad habits that we think are learning to read. Uh, teaching kids to memorize sight words is teaching kids to fake that they know how to read. So where we could actually teach kids how to read or we could teach kids to fake that they know how to read. And once you see the research and understand it, you really can't unsee it. Unfortunately, not everybody wants to see it. Um, so if we teach kids to memorize 10 words, then the child can read 10 words. But if we can teach kids sounds, let's say the sounds of 10 letters, then the child will be able to read 353 sound words, 4,000 four sound words, and 21,000 five sound words. Um, this is an old quote that I heard many, many years ago in my training um, in teaching kids explicit reading instruction, which I did not get in any programs that were to be a reading specialist or a teacher, which sounds really crazy, right? Everybody's being gaslit, right? The the people that are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to school are me being one of them, trusting that the university is going to teach them using science, right? Uh, the people that are moving to the best neighborhoods or po- like going to different schools and trusting that they're, they're admin is choosing the best curriculum for their kids. Why wouldn't they? Right. And the reason, one of the reasons is people think one, it just is easier. It seems easier, but it isn't. Um, kids, it will look like kids, if they can memorize, you know, maybe let's say 50 sight words, they can read a whole bunch of kindergarten, um, passages, kindergarten, uh, early reader books, but it's just because they've memorized it. If you put these same words in front of a child without pictures or without the pattern or in isolation, and or if you put in half the word and ask them to read half the word and they can't because they only know the word by the whole shape, they don't know how to read. They know how to guess and that's really cool, but it doesn't really mean anything. Um, I saw a video, a couple of you sent me this video of this woman being like, look at my baby is so smart. My toddler knows how to read sight words. But really, that's just the same thing as your child knowing like the difference between a square and a circle. It's the same thing as a baby doing a puzzle um, or a baby like knowing which end of the fork to put in their mouth. They just know the shape. Um, So it's not, sight words are not a predictor of reading success. In fact, if there's too much focus on them, it's a predictor of reading failure. So sorry to say that, but oh yeah. Okay. I'm reading. I have all of your comments in front of me. So many of you have said, yes, sight words don't mean anything. Um, I don't, uh, my child knew a hundred sight words in kindergarten. They said she was doing great. Now she's in second grade. She is diagnosed with dyslexia. She's reading at a pre-K reading level and she is cries going to school every single day. I hate hearing that. And 
I hate not being surprised by that because we know better. We have to do better. So I'm going to share some ways that you can advocate for your kids and not only your kids, but every child, um, because there's no such thing as other people's children. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. Actually, I'm now I have one comment in front of me. I'm going to read this one because I need this one to get motivated to share some things. A big thank you, Miss Beth, for helping parents be an advocate for their children by providing information about the science of reading. My son's first grade teacher and I had a big conversation about the science of reading. It meant so much to me that she follows it. And I even showed her your Instagram account. Thank you for giving. Oh, this person was a scholarship family. Thank you for giving me this scholarship. This has helped my child get ready for success. I looked forward to reinforcing what he is learning with you. We are doing well this school year. Um, I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, We need to remember you are your child's first advocate. You are your child's first teacher. You have to be the squeaky wheel. You have to demand that we have, that every child has access to everything. So let's take a look at what that might mean, okay? We want to remember that, okay, so here are the things to kind of avoid. Whole language approach is the approach we don't want. Anything that's based in the science of reading is what we do want. So the whole language approach, the big difference between these two um, methods is that the whole language approach focuses on reading words in context or in the story, while phonics or um, science-based methods focus on reading new words in isolation. Whole language focuses on reading the whole word or memorizing the sight word well, phonics focuses on sounding out words, sound by sounds. So that means like even if you've never seen the word before, you have the skills of what to do. Whole language focuses on guessing at unfamiliar words or skipping to not disrupt the flow of reading. And phonics focuses on the accuracy of reading words in the sentence. So that means like if your child is reading a sentence that was like, the cow was at the barn, but they read the cow was at the born. They're just looking at the shape of the word. And the shape really doesn't change between barn and born, but the context does. So even when I was giving reading assessments, I remember my mentor teacher telling me um, to like, oh, that's not that big of a deal because like they'll figure it out later. It was just like a visual error. That's not true. We need to actually make sure that we are teaching words in isolation. And it seems like it's slower, but it's not. We got to go slow in order to go fast. So it seems like, oh, well, let's just teach them to memorize words. They'll get there. But they don't. The brain is not wired to learn how to read. We have to explicitly teach it sound by sound. So now, (laughs) how are we going to talk to our schools? One, remember that your child's teacher also wants what's best for your child. So I think going into a meeting and even stating that, I know that you care about my child. I know that you have so much training. I know that you are good at your job. Me, I also want what's best for my child. I'm also interested in learning about methods. I'm learning, I'm interested in learning about my child's education. I listen to a lot of podcasts and articles, and sometimes I have questions. Would you be willing to talk about a certain topic with me? Setting that up the beginning of the school year off the bat is going to be very crucial. We want to remember that we are on the same team. 
It's not me against you. It's us against this problem. Maybe your child's teacher already knows all of this and doesn't have a say, and you can become a louder voice for them. Maybe she needs help figuring out how to go to admin and ask for more also. So schedule a meeting first with your child's teacher to kind of ask for more information about the reading curriculum. If they come home with a sight word list, I would totally say like, hey, I got this sight word list. I'm learning more and more every day about the science of how kids learn how to read. I want to work with my child at home. And I'm just wondering what method you want me to be practicing with these sight words. Assume the best. Assume that they accidentally didn't tell you, here's how to teach your kid how to orthographically map these words. Assume that because then they might say, oh my gosh, here's how we're actually learning them. We're using a multi-sensory approach, explicit instruction. We've already gone through all of these um, sounds together. And this is why these sight words came home. In kindergarten, that's extremely unlikely. It is almost 100% a red flag if at this point in the kindergarten year, at the beginning of the kindergarten year, that they would send home lists of words to memorize. We don't want to start asking kids to learn irregular patterns if we haven't taught them regular patterns. So sight words often have irregular patterns. Like we said, like with the word said, it's spelled with an A-I instead of an E. We need to be focusing on how to sound out two and three and four letter words using the sounds that we know. If a child doesn't know most of their sounds, but we're asking them to memorize the words, how does that make any sense? So I would ask to see the phonological awareness assessment that they do before they decide to send sight words home. I would ask to, I would ask how they decide what sight words to send home. And I would ask what explicit multi-sensory approach they want you to be working on. So kind of just assume that they are doing the best. Um, and then if you're met with something different, then, you know, obviously we have, we'll take a different approach from there. So ask your questions and then schedule a meeting. I would say, um, would start with the teacher and say like, Hey, I read a lot about this, but also I respect you a lot. And I know that you must be doing things aligned with the science. Can you tell me what that looks like in the curriculum? Can you give me a sample of what a reading lesson looks like. The things you don't want to hear are that we do. Guided reading is often um, associated with whole language approach. So um, that often teaches kids the patterns of guessing or just memorizing. So we don't really want that happening in kindergarten. Um, But we want to make sure, you know, we're hearing things like phonological awareness. We want to know how how they're using like those phonological awareness skills and assessments. And so so start with scheduling a meeting. I think it's better to bring your questions in a meeting. Now, any teacher that's listening is probably going to be like, oh, great. That's the last thing I want. But a good teacher won't. Don't be like that. I... I remember I was a teacher and I was sitting, we all, we all had lunch duty and I was sitting in lunch with a bunch of other teachers. And one teacher opened her phone and had an email from a parent that was like, I heard my daughter. She said, she doesn't really have a lot of friends at lunch. Can you check on her during lunch and let me know how she is? And the teacher was a friend of mine. And she was like, can you believe that? Like, I don't have enough to do. And I was like, yeah, I can believe that because that's, that's that person's entire world. And I 
imagined this little girl. She was in fifth grade and she looked so much like my little sister. I was like, I am seeing Rachel. Like I see my little sister and I would cry if I found out that she felt like she didn't have any friends at lunch. And it is so hard to show just how much we appreciate teachers and the way that they go above and beyond. And it's so important to do that before they get to that point of being like, I have enough to do. Why would I do this? So anyway, a good teacher will want to meet with you. A good teacher will listen to what you have to say. A good teacher also cares about your child's best interests. A good teacher wants every child in their class to succeed. So they will find a time and they would rather you have a meeting with them than to just rally all the parents on the playground and get them all hot and bothered. So request a meeting and then you can find out too, like, hey, is this something that is needs to change at the school level? How can I help? Be prepared to help. Um, prepare your talking points before. So organize your thoughts. So maybe that looks like a first draft of writing down everything you feel. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I moved to this suburb because I thought they would have the best education. I, I can't believe they didn't tell me this. Get it all out and then make your points. Reminder, we're on the same team. I love my child's teacher. I trust my child's teacher. And we are going to come up with a plan together. Um, prepare your talking points like using evidence if available. So I would, you know, I would print out the research from um, the podcast Sold a Story. There's so much um, citable research there. And the whole thing um, is uh, in text format too. So it's not just the podcast. Um And then be respectful and open. Allow the teacher or the school board, whoever it is, to talk. But don't let them silence you. This is like the tricky part. Hear what they have to say. And hopefully, you know, we know that force is always met with resistance. So if we just come in and say, hey, you're doing this and I know more, obviously people are going to get defensive. So we want to approach the conversation with this respectful and open attitude. Your goal is to understand what's happening at the school. If you say like, hey, I know like things have changed. I know that you wouldn't have chosen a curriculum that's not backed in research if if you didn't have to. But I'm also here to be a part of this change and ask what's the possibility of change? What needs to happen? Uh, we don't want to criticize the school for choosing that or the teacher for teaching that way because, again, we don't know that they had a say. Ask questions. Always ask questions. Don't assume that you have all the information. So if we assume like when that came home that this is what's happening, well, you know what they say about assuming. So ask questions to better understand their rationale for choosing the current reading instruction and for doubling down on it. What? Ask this question. What is the school's approach to teaching reading and what research or evidence supports it? How are the teachers trained in reading instruction? It's not enough that we just have a curriculum in this. Teachers need to be trained. If we, we're, we're teaching kids, we're not teaching curriculum. So we need teachers to be trained in this evidence-backed instruction. Are there plans to incorporate phonics and phonemic awareness into the curriculum? Can you give me an example of a lesson that includes that? Are there opportunities for for professional development in evidence-based reading instruction for the teachers? What needs to happen to get that? Is it about opportunity? Is it about fundraising? What needs to happen? 
unfortunately, I know I had a parent today say, though, this is annoying. I don't want to do it. I thought that like, I expect this to happen. I know, I know it's so hard that you have to do this, that, that, that this has to happen. It has to fall on parents shoulder, but we know that the only way to make change is for parents to get loud and demand it. Teachers have a voice, but parents have a blowhorn. Um, somebody said that in a professional development meeting that I had with a school that just brought me in to train their entire staff. Um, and then share your concerns. Remember, like you can be honest. It's not, um, I'm mad about this, but say, I've read so much about how damaging it is to just focus on sight word memorization instead of explicit instruction of reading based on the research and science that we have had for a hundred years. Share observations that you've made about your child's reading progress. Say, hey, I gave them this quiz of um, irregular um, rules or rule breaker words, and uh, they didn't know what to do if they hadn't memorized the word. What can we do instead? Have solutions. So maybe say, or maybe just constructive suggestions. Maybe propose a professional development for teachers in evidence based reading instruction. Like, oh, hey, I know that you can book Miss Beth, or hey, I know that this training is available. Hey, like, bring all these options. It helps if you have it like written or, you know, like in a document. Um, you might propose that uh, we slowly add in the inclusion of phonics and phonemis, phonemic awareness instruction into the curriculum and um, bring evidence or scholarly articles about, you know, the balanced literacy approach and uh, why we should lean more into the science that we have. And then also be willing to collaborate. So we're going to emphasize that you are willing to work together with the school to change this. We are not going to get anywhere if, one, the teachers aren't trained, and two, the whole school isn't jumping all the way in. We have to all jump in. Parents have to have information. And you might need to be the one that's telling parents about this. You might need to say, like, with the teacher, hey, do I have your permission to kind of like share what's happening with parents? I just did a whole school board meeting that was a teacher and a parent brought it together. We got, we worked together last spring and we started the school year with a virtual meeting of where all parents and teachers were invited. And it was just an overview, a 60 minute overview of what it would look like to bring the science into reading instruction and how everyone benefits. You can't have some people on and some people off. We need to have the whole school involved. We need to have parents involved and teachers involved. Um, so emphasize the collaboration. Build the partnership with the teachers and the parents. It's much more effective if we have the collaboration. And then follow up. Do not just say, okay, great. Follow up. Follow up after the meeting. Send a thank you. Say, I'm so glad that I go to a school where my voice is heard. I'm so glad to be a part of bringing awareness to parents. I'm so happy that I can organize a meeting with the teachers and parents and start bringing information in. I'm so happy to keep learning with you. I am so appreciative that I have such a great relationship with my child's teacher or my child's principal or my child's school. Remember that change in education 
takes time. Schools might have their reasons for their current approach, but if they're anything besides that they're embarrassed to admit that they were wrong and wasted money, then I don't want to hear them. Wait, did I say that right? Yeah. I want to hear reasons. And maybe they say it's about money. Maybe if they say we're in the process, it's going to take three years, but ask for those reasons. Um, I think I said the phrase that I was trying to say wrong a minute ago. Anyway, so we just want to make sure that we're approaching this conversation respectfully and constructively and with an open dialogue, not what are you doing and crossing our arms and waiting, but actually saying, how can we, all of us, bring this change to our school community? How can I be a part of this? How can I help you? I respect you. I appreciate you. I also find this information fascinating and am learning so much every single day. I want to be a part of it with you. Let's do this together. Um, that's what I would do. That's my, that's my advice. And, um, don't stop until the change is made because there's no such thing as other people's children and learning to read the right way is life and death for some kids. Illiteracy is the pipeline to anxiety, depression, homelessness, and incarceration. And it's just not acceptable to say, well, some kids will turn out fine depending on how many resources their parents have. It's just not okay. So do not give up fighting the good fight, but remember that we're going to collaborate and you're going to have to get your hands dirty and get ready to work. If you are met with a lot of resistance from your school, then come back to me after doing all these things, come back to me and we're going to come up with a new plan together. As always, send me a message if you have any questions. I love hearing from you. And I hope that all of you that are feeling a little bit overwhelmed with this school year starting back up, feel a little bit more empowered. Um, Change is possible. It's slow. It's so slow. But it's possible. Okay. Hang in there. You guys are the best. I'll see you next time.